1: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, March 15th, 2021. We are hurtling at a rapid pace towards opening day at Wrigley Field, spring training kicking along. We've got a lot of individual player stuff to check in on. The Cubs have begun trimming that roster down. The roster that will be there at Wrigley Field on opening day becoming a little bit clearer, even if some spots are still pretty murky to try and figure out. Going to be some, some interesting decisions for David Ross and company going forward here, but we will break all of that down. We'll talk about what's been going on and just check in on the state of Chicago Cubs baseball. But Brendan, the the first thing I, I wanted to talk about was Friday's broadcast on Marquee. Now, we were both really disappointed when Len decided to take the job to do radio for the Chicago White Sox. But we were also very thrilled when they hired John Boog Shambi to replace him, and especially hearing Boog in these early spring training games, it's been great his relationship with david ross his, you know his relationship that is brewing with Jim Deshays has been great and and the broadcasts have been very enjoyable but on Friday, Marquis. <laughs> An interesting decision because this is something they're going to do during the regular season a few times because Boog is going to be allowed to continue doing some stuff with ESPN, some national things, keep his, uh, you know, name on that bigger radar, and so they're going to have some people fill in. And Marquis gave us a little taste of one of these on Friday. Now, I don't want to say it was a mistake because it was extremely enjoyable. But that's where I wonder if it was a little bit of a mistake just because they gave us a taste of something that— And you don't want to go back. I I don't—yeah, I don't know (laughs) if people are going to be able to forget uh, that taste on Friday. And what happened on Friday, I I know plenty of you were enjoying this because I saw a million tweets to this effect— but they had, for the first time on TV, none other than Pat Hughes mm. in the studio uh, with Jim Deshaze doing the broadcast together. And Brendan, like I said, I-, I wanted to be very clear in the preface here. Love Boog. Can't wait to hear him do a regular season with Jim and, and on the broadcasts. But Brendan, Pat, and Jim Deshaze I I don't, I mean, I don't know if it gets much better than that. That was really, really enjoyable on Friday.
0: I mean, that might be, and I I love, of course, regular season baseball, but like mid-March baseball, when you're watching low stress pitchers and, you know, some of those prospects, you throw Pat Hughes on TV with Jim DeShaheys. I mean, that's like top notch for me. That's the ultimate for me. And it was it was so weird too because like I'm expecting Pat to say Ron because I usually sync up at times I sync up you know Pat and Ron with with the video broadcast. I'm with you, Corey. I like Boog, love Boog actually, but it's 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 kind of hard when you get that taste to to go back to reality. Yeah, so I think uh, Pat's going to be a part of a
1: rotating. I think it was three or four people who are going to replace Boog for a few broadcasts here and there. But, man, uh, Pat Hughes on TV. First of all, seeing Pat is such a joy. You you all know, I've talked about this a lot, how formative – him and Ron Sano on the radio on 720 WGN back in the day, back in in my day. I know that's not really back in the day, but
0: <laughs> well, you are 30 now. So yeah, like
1: know. in the yeah. you know early to mid 2000s is what I mean when I say back in the day. Um, but it was very formative to me, so I, I love him on the radio. I'm I'm definitely not like. Advocating for some sort of change, but if you've been an MLB TV user at any point in the last several years, as Brendan mentioned, you had the option to overlay the radio broadcast and kind of get a taste of this. But man, but like, it wasn't
0: the, it wasn't a real thing. No, you
1: know? no. But the other day, like seeing Pat on TV, seeing him in a TV studio, like him being <laughs> yeah. able to be on camera a little bit, it was, uh, you know, like I said. I'm not – I'm really excited for Boo, but it was one of those things where, like, you you have a taste of it, and you're like, hmm. (laughs) Like, uh, so we're not doing this all the time. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, I'm
0: just looking forward to, like, those pregame, like, clips, you know, before they actually throw the first pitch where you have – Like, I'm imagining Pat Hughes in, like, a purple sweater, like a big purple sweater. Yeah, so (laughs) they –
1: they, they I don't know if they're not doing the suits anymore I, I don't know I know that was I a big not. thing last year but the other the other day Pat was just wearing like a marquee style pullover i i w- yeah. admittedly I was hoping for you know a more colorful sweater or one of his uh you know, leather jacket, t-shirt, button-down types things, or the leather jacket. Yes, a yeah. classic Pat Hughes. Today classic. on the Cubs related podcast, we're going to be talking about Pat Hughes fashion. <laughs> yeah. uh, so thank you for turning in. No, but well, we could, but we're not going to, unless you guys want us to. Do you want us to? I mean, we can. Do well, it. we don't have I call do and for response an on this, but we're not going to do it. But anyway, he was just wearing a a marquee thing, but uh, not the suit. It was that would be pretty weird if Pat Hughes was in a suit. But either way, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, like you always say, Brennan, that's one of the things about spring training. Try things out, can have a little fun with things, and uh, luckily we're going to get some more of that during the regular season. So that should be pretty enjoyable, but that was Pat Hughes' first broadcast of The spring, and you know, so that is the the first time we're getting Pat Hughes really and truly back in our lives and in 2021. And I don't know about you guys, but there's almost nothing that signifies that baseball is back and all is well, not all is right in the world, obviously, but in terms of baseball. All is right in the world when you hear Pat Hughes tell you that Chicago mm-hmm. Cubs baseball is on the air. So that was fun looking forward to more of that and in the regular season. But getting into you know actual baseball news, uh, uh not, you know, just how much we love Pat Hughes, but let's start with uh some good trending information on one of the possible extensions that we are hoping to see, uh, waiting to see, I don't really know, in this particular offseason. Of course, the leading candidates are Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Chris Bryant, as this is the last year of their current contracts. Wilson Contreras, also a name that has been bantied about uh, as someone who the Cubs could potentially look into extending. But the person we are talking about today is Anthony Rizzo. And as we've talked about on this podcast, in my opinion, I, I, you know, you can disagree. I'm not sure I would ever agree with you. Uh, but this is the order in which it should go. I don't know who would come after Rizzo. I'd have to think about it. I'd have to see the terms. I, You know, I could be convinced uh, a number of directions. But the first one, if you're only going to do one, if you're going to start with one, whatever, it's got to be Tony and we've talked about that. We'll talk about it more. But Anthony's saying he's pretty optimistic and also noting that talks have been ongoing, you know, throughout the spring as they they talked about and said that they've had some good conversations uh, back and forth in this process. So, as always, stuff you hear in the media, stuff that Rizzo decides to say, stuff that Jed Hoyer decides to say, etc. You never have to take it face value. They don't owe us the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and the absolute truth. But to hear this stuff is really good and really exciting, and I think at least you can kind of maybe read into it. Rizzo's saying, quote, in terms of pro- progress, I'm very optimistic. We've had really good conversations top to bottom. So that sounds pretty good. Uh, Rizzo would go on to say, if you need a quote to kind of, uh, you know, get you running through brick walls and, you know, things like that, um, talking about the Cubs and being a part of the Cubs in the future and the focus on winning and things like that Rizzo said quote it's big it's big my goal is bringing the next championship here in Chicago and it's coming it's coming soon it's coming to this city that's my focus is how are we going to win again we feel really good i mean it's march 12th everyone feels good right but we've got to go and build and believe and gain momentum. So that, you know, obviously looking a little bit to 2021, obviously, uh, and, you know, getting to opening day and being ready to go. But I think, you know, you combine stuff like that, you combine the things that he's always said about wanting to be here and Chicago being his his home and the Cubs being his home as an organization. And you hear him say that they've had good conversations. He's very optimistic. Those are his words. Uh, I, I think that that's, a good start. Uh, you know, we're, we're not that far out. We're only a few weeks from opening day, which I believe we've heard from all three of the pending free agents that they would like opening day to be a sort of deadline to either have it done or then wait and deal with it, you know, so that they can focus on the season, focus on enjoying the moment, all of those things. But this is good Brendan I I I know you don't disagree I again I would entertain if if you have an argument for me that you believe Javi Baez or Chris Bryant or Wilson Contreras even someone like Ian Happ you know getting his situation more locked up and and geared toward the future and things like that I'm I'm willing to listen to you on all of that mm-hmm. and I have my own opinions I on which guys I would be really adamant about extending right now, which guys I would like to see extended if the terms are right, things like that. But I am not sure you could come up with an argument uh, that you could present to me. I don't know about you, Brendan, but where I would agree with you that Rizzo is not number one. And more than that, as we've discussed, I don't think this is negotiable. Um, I think that Rizzo has to be a Chicago Cub for the rest of his career and you know look like if he's gonna pull, you know if he's gonna like julio franco it and play until he's 60 years old we can deal with that when we get there right but realistically anthony rizzo cannot play somewhere else he needs to be a chicago cub he needs to be a chicago cub for life build the statues put the c on his jersey whatever you want to do he deserves it. He's earned it. He deserves it. And but I'll, I'll let you. I know I'm rambling. I'm talking about Anthony Vincent Rizzo, so I'm rambling a little bit. Know, but I'll I'll, I'll allow there. you the microphone in in one more second, Brendan. But I I do just want to say I, I don't like when I say that. I don't think that this is something that is completely geared. For what Rizzo means to this organization or to the community or, you know, just sort of like historically like this is a move that I think you make from a baseball perspective as well. Anthony Rizzo has been one of the most consistent players in baseball for several years now. I mean, really several years and he's been a top performer, he's winning gold gloves. You know, the 2020 season is really the only season out of this like recent memory. Really like, you know, since uh he came up and really got his legs under him uh, at the MLB level with the Cubs, the only down season that he had and we've, you know, talked about that with a million different people dealing with 2020 and, you know, you can you can deal with 2020. You can reconcile 2020 however you want for each individual person. I think you kind of have to look at it on a case-by-case basis and decide what the question is. But as far as Rizzo, like, this isn't just some sentimental thing that I'm saying. Like, oh, Anthony Rizzo means so much to the team. You know, like, this isn't some declining, old, bad, broken-down player that you know, we just feel like we owe it to him to. No, this is a guy, this is a good baseball decision to lock up Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. and to keep him as the first baseman and as a middle of the order hitter on this team because the stats bear that out. I don't care about Anthony Rizzo's 2020. He's been a consistent top player for years. And so I think you combine that with everything that he means to this organization, both on the field, in the community, everywhere. This is, as I've said many times, a no-brainer. And to me, unlike the other guys, non-negotiable. I I, I don't think you can present an argument to me where I would say, yeah, you know what? You're right. They shouldn't do this. I, I think anything you say to me, I would say, I don't care. Anthony Rizzo needs to be a Chicago Cub. So in conclusion, I am glad that he is optimistic that this is going to get done
0: and it it has to get done and i think it will get done and to your point about the stats i don't even think you and i Corey, do it justice like over the years it's just a foregone conclusion that he's going to be consistent but when you look back and see what he actually has done it it is pretty startling um Especially when you consider the expected numbers. And it's one reason why I, I truly believe, I don't know where you are on this, Corey, but I, I want to ban the shift. Like, I truly think you ban the shift, it's going to make baseball more exciting. And I get the strategy point of view and all that stuff. I get that. I don't care about that. Like, I want to see more base hits. I want to see more. Spectacular defensive plays. I don't want to see Mike Moustakis playing second base. I don't want to see like an unathletic guy playing middle infield. That's not that's not what I want. But with these expected numbers, Rizzo is one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. And I mean that with no hyperbole. Since 2015, his expected on base average, weighted on base average, 95th percentile, 85th, 96th, 88th, 94th, Corey. He's in the top tier of all of baseball. And if you look just look at on-base percentage, the last three years, 99th percentile for expected OBP, 95th, 99th, no one better than him when you take out the shift. And it makes sense when you think about all the hard hit balls he gets into. And then you you consider the fact that he doesn't strike out. Like his strikeout rate in the past three years 88th percentile, 94th percentile, 92nd percentile. He hits home runs too. This is not just a contact hitter. He is one of the more rare players you see, especially at first base. And he's like basically a big lefty shortstop playing first base. He's one of the best first
1: basemen defensively I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I think you said it there. And I think that's a good point about not even really doing it justice because he is one of those players you just sort of assume he's going to turn in that type of performance and be uh, a consistent producer and you know it's it's not even the type of thing that jumps off the page because you just go into the season assuming like yeah i mean you know that's rizzo like you can move these parameters around all you want and obviously things change and you know but i mean just since like 2015 21st most wins above replacement in all of baseball and, you know, again, like, if you only looked at 2019 to now, whatever, like, you know, these things change, of course, and the the, the more of a down year in 2020 is going to affect that. But I I, I just use that number since 2015 to illustrate like, this isn't, you know, <laughs> like, just some contributor, like, this is a top, top producer. And I know you guys listening don't need that clarified. And I don't think we need to clarify that. But I, I just bring that up because, you know, when guys get older and they are looking for contract extensions, you know, there are cases where you're looking at it and going like, you know, are they overpaying for past performance? Are they overpaying just because of, you know, the guy's a uh, franchise icon, things like that. And I and I don't think that's the case here. I think this is a good baseball decision for the Cubs and for the future of the Cubs, not even considering Everything else that Anthony Rizzo means to this city and to this yeah. organization. When you add yeah, all yeah. that in, it's a no-brainer to me. And you know, look, yeah. like if he wanted fifty million dollars a year, like <laughs> you know, maybe we need to sit down and talk about that. But I, I think that you know, Rizzo has been on a team-friendly deal, so I think he'd like to get paid. But I, I don't think that the ultimate conclusion they reach here is going to be something that is absurd and, you know, is hampering the Cubs or anything like that. So I think really everything about this is a no-brainer, and I'm glad that the progress is being made.
0: Well, I didn't even consider how good his expected numbers are, not to get too bogged down by expected numbers, but it does provide context. I mean, literally, Corey, he is one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. That's not hyperbole, and that type of profile— Ages well. When you consider all the past hitters who have gone in their mid 30s to late 30s, what do they do? They don't strike out. They go gap to gap and they take their pitches, and that's Rizzo. And he plays at a position that's not, you know, relatively speaking here, not as demanding as like shortstop or center fielder catcher. It's a no-brainer. Lock him up, get this done, you know, lock up KB in the same week. Just get all the good PR out there right away, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we'll see. That is the only extension we've really heard much on. I I believe KB said that they had not really sat down and talked about this. Um, But, you know, I, I think... With some of these situations, I, I I think they've had some conversations, at least, uh, you know, preliminary over the years. So I, I don't know how much there really is to talk about rather than just kind of like sitting down and exchanging figures. I also don't know, uh, you know, in my intern experience in, you know, working in a couple front offices, I, I was not uh, at the table for, you know, big time contract extension talks. So I don't know how many of these Jed Hoyer has on his plate at once I think you kind of have to work on one either get it done or not and then you can kind of look at the others so I don't know how they're going to go about this but this is the update we have on one of them and it is a positive one so that's a good place to start you still got a few weeks here so hopefully they can put pen to paper soon and, you know, then either move on to somebody else or move on with the whole process. And then you kind of know what you're dealing with going into the season here. But it's it's super important to, you know, just the state of the organization right now and obviously the future. So stuff to keep an eye on, but that is good news on the Anthony Rizzo front and I, I do hope that that uh, gets done. I mean, honestly, Brendan, like the, the sense of relief, I will feel when that is announced is, I know, it's uh, is hard to measure because, uh, again, like this is just, I, I think he's in a class of his own uh, in terms of the, it just is required. I, I think this is mandatory that Jed Hoyer get this done. If if you disagree, I, I you know, tweet at me, tell me why you believe that. I'm not promising not to block you after the exchange, but uh, you know, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I they just can't they just can't let Rizzo go. They just have to get this done. So I'm glad that we're progressing there. So uh, now, kind of getting into the state of spring training. Um, We are, you know, getting closer. Uh, Not a whole lot of really exciting stuff. The Cubs trimming the roster a little bit, but all of those, uh, I think, you know, kind of mostly expected names. Uh, We're kind of working with the bullpen, getting everybody back, and just kind of seeing where things are going. Jock Peterson is still you know, lighting the world on fire, just hitting the cover off the ball. So that has been very exciting. And, you know, we talked a bit about him uh I think the last couple episodes. Um, but you know, he's he's just one of those guys where it's it's a free agent signing where of course they haven't played a regular season game yet. So you don't want to get too ahead of yourself here but it just seems to be going really well, and sometimes that isn't the case, but, you know, he's performing when he's getting these opportunities in spring training, and he seems to be gelling really well with the players, Uh, guys like Jason Hayward, Ian Happ, you know, the guys he's with in the outfield. Uh, David Ross had some quotes about him, you know, having fun with the guys in in spring training, and it, you know, it's just one of those things where you... Like to see it so far. Again, like, you know, you're not going to put all the stock in his spring training performance and, you know, the fact that he seems to be getting along with everybody, but you know, sometimes you bring in guys and they don't perform in spring training and they don't seem to be gelling and, you know, the clubhouse doesn't seem to have that vibe about them. And so, you know, it it, it may not count for much, but the early returns, I think, are, are as good as they can be. And it's been fun to watch a guy that looks locked in, Brendan, and we'll see if he can make the adjustment against left-handed pitching. Uh, but, you know, when you read a lot from the people that covered him while he was with the Dodgers, when you read a lot from you know of course the people with the Cubs that are looking at him now there there does seem to be a good sense of optimism that this is a guy who if you give him the opportunity he he might just go out there and take it and and we've said Mm -hmm. like it's not easy to make an adjustment to a handedness split that has been tough to overcome in in your career it's it's not something that you just snap your fingers and all of a sudden that split magically disappears but as we talked about last week, like, guy in a contract year trying to prove himself, finally getting that opportunity in a, in a you know, sort of, like, guaranteed sense. Like, this is your job, man. Go out to left field at Wrigley Field every day. Earn it. And we're not looking back. Sometimes you have guys that just, you know, sort of uh, kick the door down and, and really perform in those spots. So, It's 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 not something you can necessarily count on, but it's it's been exciting to see it kind of unfold because the way it's unfolding in spring training is the way that you're hoping it carries over into the regular season. And he just looks like a man on a mission. And it's very different when you're facing a triple A pitcher in Mesa versus. Uh, you know some of the guys that he's going to go up against. You know when you're facing Jack Flaherty in St. Louis, you know obviously a different thing. But the the early returns here, I think are uh, I think it's pretty obvious to
0: state are are going as well as they can. We don't really know if he can't hit lefties. He didn't get the opportunity to do so. When you compare what he got against lefties versus Schwarber, for example, Schwarber got 163 plate appearances against lefties. Over the last two years, Jock got 58 plate appearances. So he got half the amount that Schwarber got. Then even in Jock's career, he's only gotten 345 at-bats against lefties. He's got no opportunities. Now, that's because maybe he just can't hit them and the Dodgers are being careful and they have so much depth. Sure, but we we don't know yet. And the changes Jock has made in this spring training... I don't know if they're going to translate necessarily, but it is something worth watching. He's way more crouched over in his stance. His stance is way more open and he's making changes. And I know we always talk about all these changes these guys are making. Some work, some don't work. The ones that have not worked are Schwarber. Schwarber made changes, I think like once every three months, I swear to God, all these changes he always made. And a lot of them did not work. So maybe Jock's changes don't work, But in some cases they do. Rizzo made a drastic change early in his career, lowered his hand, lowered his swing plane, standing closer to the plate, and he's never looked back. And he's been hitting lefties consistently ever since he made that change. Now Jock is later in his career, but other guys too have made changes later in their careers, like Jose Bautista with his left kick. So this is this is something to, to monitor. And you're seeing results right away during spring training, and it is spring training, but This is all to say, Jock is going to get opportunities to hit lefties and he may get consistent opportunities. He may get consistent opportunities to fail and that might allow him to ultimately, by the end of the year, in August and September, be a consistent guy in that lineup, no matter who's pitching, whether a lefty or righty in the same context as you see like KB or Rizzo or Javi out there. He may be a staple in the lineup, who knows? And it's all to say, it's it's something to monitor. It's something to be at least, you know, optimistic about that. It could happen, I think. And everything he's doing right now, I, I, he's checking every every box score.
1: Yeah. And one thing too, and I mean, you know, uh, of course, guys should have this attitude, but it's been something that he's been pretty consistent about on social media is posting about how he's playing in an outfield with Jason Hayward, who's obviously won a million uh, gold gloves and other defensive awards. And he's posted a lot about how he wants to have that rub off on him if you've been following him on uh, I think Instagram in particular he's said this he's made reference to it a lot and uh, again like you know you want guys striving to be good baseball players that's what they're paid for Uh, but it's it's been interesting he seems really intent on being a good defensive player and you know living up to not Jason Hayward's level but being a part of an outfield with Jason Hayward and you know being at that level and trying to get himself to that level, it's it, it all just goes to the greater theme with Jock, which is this is a guy who has bet on himself. He took a deal with the Cubs specifically to bet on himself to prove himself, and I think that that is uh, hopefully what happens. And he seems to have the right attitude for it.
0: So, I love uh, before you go. I love how quickly you change your tone on Jock. I mean, I I talked so much crap about jock over the years it's it i'm still like trying to get used to this you changed like right away so good for you Corey.
1: you and i have obviously made our feelings about the dodgers known um but i i think you know it's just one of those things where uh we looked at those numbers especially compared to kyle schwarber and you know you saw what he did in la and i, I think the more you just kind of hear about his decision and especially reading that players tribune article that he wrote which was half a farewell to la and you know a a welcoming to chicago and kind of going into his logic it was easy to easy to be on board i mean usually when the cubs sign someone i'm rooting for them uh and i say usually i i'm not sure i can think of a scenario where i've been rooting against someone um I'd prefer Eric Sogard not make the team. I did just say that a week ago. Never mind. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, other than that, generally, especially a bigger signing, like I'm, of course, I'm rooting for them. But when I read that Players' Tribune article and just sort of seeing how he's gone about things, it's been very easy to uh, get on board. And I I think buy into the 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 belief the hope a little bit that yeah you know what like he's out there to prove himself and i think he's gonna do it um to what level i'm not sure but i'm i'm all in on on jock for sure and uh i'm looking forward to you know especially with i think how he's endearing himself to the fan base uh looking forward to him on um I mean, you know, maybe especially when we have a, a full bleachers hopefully at some point this season if it's safe to do so. Uh, you know, getting him out there and him greeting the bleachers and seeing how that goes, I think it's always fun to watch new guys do that and and, you know, be at Wrigley Field as as a home player, but anyway, that's Jock. Uh, let's talk about pitching for a little bit. I think that's really the yes. place to go. A- a- looking back on the offense, the the really the, the stuff with the offense, I, there there's not too much to update you guys on uh, or really chat that much about the Cubs still have to figure out what they're going to do at second base. Nico's had a little bit of tight uh I think a, a sore lower back, but it's it's not a big deal. I think he's just uh sat out a couple games. Not a big deal and you know they they still have to sort that out. So we don't really have much of the an idea of what they're going to do there exactly just yet. And they're going to have to figure out that bench. They're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, the situation with guys like Jake Marisnyk, Cameron Mabin, Eric Sogard, as we mentioned, Ildemar Vargas, um, you know, Austin Romine, and every everything that they're going to do in terms of how they're going to structure that bench and, and things like that. And David Ross, I think the other day, was talking about how, you know, with the lack of DH back in the National League, you know, you he, he talked about, you know, wanting to prioritize, you know, making sure that they have true bench bats uh, on the roster, you know, guys who can come in and pinch hit and succeed in those spots. Um, So not too much clarity on what they're going to do there, but that remains another spot to keep an eye on um, just in terms of, you know, who's going to get those last bench spots, who's going to get the pinch hit spots, and of course, who is going to be starting at second base on April 1st at Wrigley Field. So with that, Switching to pitching, uh, a lot going on, (laughs) as has been the case uh, through the whole offseason and in spring training with this pitching staff. Um, You know, we we have the the kind of sure things. We, We kind of don't really care what they're doing in spring training group, especially as the starters are concerned. With Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies uh, and then you know other guys that we know are going to get innings but we're kind of checking in to see how they're performing and then of course the group where we have no idea what their role might be and things are very much in the air but where I want to start is a couple guys that Brendan has been paying attention to one for several years that he now gets to pay attention (laughs) to again and another that he wanted the Cubs to sign they did and now he's been doing really well and those two people of course are Jake Ariel and Trevor Williams. So
0: Brendan, the floor is yours. Jake Arietta Now, second start, right? So still work to be made, but he appears to be working a lot on that fastball and that fastball command. And a lot of those fastballs are being thrown on the lower portion of the plate. And I mean, truthfully, I don't really like that, but it's all going back to what Tommy Haddabee said, where if he feels comfortable nailing down that portion of the play, then he can start to elevate. And so it's all to say, it's, it's a work in progress with Jake. And I like that his velocity is still in like the 92-93 range, especially during this time of year. And Jake is saying he's feeling better. And his last start was better than his first start, according to him, in terms of mechanics. And it appears that he's right on pace to be where he wants to be by opening day. So I think you have to be optimistic about that. Trevor Williams is... Hitting all the right notes, Corey. I mean, he first off, he's a great Twitter follower. By the way, like you have to follow. We him talked about that Williams. big Pearl Jam yeah. fan. Yeah, but like even more so. I mean, he's tweeting like I'm trying out ten new curveball grips right now from this Rapsodo machine and looking at all that. So that 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 is new for any Cubs pitcher who's that transparent about what they're working on. So Williams is working on apparently a, a curveball grip, and he's been principally a fastball slider guy and he's been someone with a with a release point that's so low lower than 80 percent of the league that that curveball kind of stands out and brian smith of bleacher nation wrote about this not in the context of trevor williams but in the context of uh, tyson miller when you have that type of low release point it's possible that over time high fastballs will play better from having that lower release point. And so you look at Williams and you think, okay, if he can throw more higher fastballs with that low release point, plus now he's optimizing his breaking pitch, whether that's that slider or maybe the curveball, you see how hitters will be just blown away by him. And he's not someone who throws slow; I mean, he's going to be thrown in the low to mid nineties. And that's, that's, I mean, that's average, but it's not like what you see from a finesse pitcher. And, I'm I'm feeling good about Trevor Williams. I like that he's always had decent command. I like how he's open to trying new things. I like that Tommy Haddavy has been right with him, guiding him, trying all these new different pitch grips. You have to be excited about it. And you're seeing results. I mean, just watch these games, go back and watch them on replay. These breaking pitches look good. Like everything passes the eye test. And so I'm, I'm excited, man. I think this rotation has a lot of variability in terms of projections, but... I think the the ceiling for these guys are so high. And that includes Arietta, that includes Alvesola, includes Trevor Williams and even like Shelby Miller now. And I told myself do not get on the Shelby Miller hype train, but when you hear what he's working on and when you see the results even today, I mean, you kind of have to pay attention to it even though he has that weird history. These guys are trying so many di- new different things. Finally, in a post, a relatively post-COVID era with this new technology. Remember, they, they hired Breslow before COVID happened, and then COVID just shut everything down. This is like their first year in a normal environment where you can test out their new tech and have familiarity because you're with them almost on a daily basis like this. So th- this, this is a big deal to me. And I think altogether the entire pitching staff has been so fun to follow.
1: I, you know, like, Shelby Miller, too, is one of those guys where when the Cubs signed him, you know, Brendan will look at a couple things and go, you know, Corey, like, there's some interesting stuff. And I go, Brendan, don't, <laughs> don't even start with me right now. I know. All I right? Know. Like, if it works, it works. But don't. And, you know, Brendan, like, okay, all right, all right, all right. And, you know, yeah, like, you know, the guy gets out there, you do look at the past success. And I don't know if you guys have heard us say this before, but we really like Tommy Hoddy and Craig Breslow and uh, the Cubs pitching infrastructure. So, you know, look, like, I think with a lot of these guys, you you have to understand that when we talk about uh, excitement or progress or, or things that we're looking for, you know, it's all measured, right? Like, nobody is expecting... Shelby Miller or Trevor Williams to go out there and be competing for the NL Cy Young or to be like, oh man, like this is the best signing in the history of baseball. Like, you know, no, of course not. But in a, in a season where we've heard many times that, you know, you're going to have to use a lot of guys to get innings. It's, you know, we're back to a regular grind of a 162-game season, and, you know, you need that depth in places. It's it's all about just looking and seeing, like, okay, like, yeah, this could be a guy that's interesting for a, a swingman role or a few spot starts or whatever it ends up being for each of these different guys. It, it's it's all measured um, optimism or measured projection. And, you know, some of these guys have been showing, again, you know, what you want them to show. And it's it's always with the caveat that it's spring training. You have to look at the lineups they're facing and things like that. But this is the opportunity that they have. This is the look at, at guys like Trevor Williams and Shelby Miller and some of these other new faces, especially guys who have made some changes like those, those two and, and many others, this is the look that we have. And, you know, when they go out there and they get the job done, that's what they're—that's all we can go off of. And, you know, I think Trevor Williams right now has, uh, an a, you know, a spring ERA that's like 1.07 or something along those lines. So that's pretty good. That's what you want to see. And in, in one of these games, I think he struck out Mookie Betts twice. He struck out Mike Trout the other day. And— you know, again, like nobody's saying like, oh, he struck out Mike Trout. So therefore, right, he's a top end starter, like, you know, no, but this is what you want to see. He's he's clearly got the stuff that plays and that he can make work. Uh, and it's just about putting it together and, and putting it together over a longer period of time. So that one, at least for now, you know, I know Brendan is is saving it. He has not said anything to me yet. About Trevor Williams and I and I he won't until the regular season because even Brendan nor I are psychotic enough to gloat or say I told you so uh, just because of spring training but there there was it I think I don't remember if it was a marquee tweet or uh, maybe from Tony Andracchi from marquee. But, uh, you know, it was just like Trevor Williams goes three and two-thirds scoreless innings today. He lowers Mm -hmm. his spring training ERA to one point—sorry, it was 1.04, even better than I said. And I just sent it to—I sent it to Brendan, and I said, you don't have to say anything. I'm paying attention. (laughs) Like, if if this carries over into the regular season, I will give you your time to say I'm very smart. I asked the Cubs to sign him, and— they did, and it worked. But again, similar to Jock, like, you know, some of these, they're going the way you want them to, right? Uh, there's plenty of cases in spring training where guys come over, guys make adjustments, and they just don't take, and they don't look good, and they don't look to be making that progress. And, you know, with some of the guys that the Cubs have brought over, that that success, that that kind of optimism is, is there. there. There's reason for it, and, you know, they're going out there with the assignment that they have on that given day, and they're doing good work with it. So, that is stuff, uh, you know, I think to be optimistic about. Um, as far as Adbear-Alzali is concerned, that that's another interesting one to watch. So the Cubs are still waiting. This is another um, one of those really awesome things that MLB does. Similar to, you know, the decision uh, about the DH and some of these other rule changes that basically took forever to get decided uh and really i think even a couple weeks ago we're like still kind of up in the I air mean, this,
0: this, this is ridiculous. it's I, I, mean,
1: like, the, I mean the the mlb on. is
0: i mean what are you very doing? strange like, what are you actually doing on a daily basis some things
1: yeah. yeah but one of these uh is the option year so i i think they might end up having to go to an arbitrator to decide on they, I think, they have to decide on whether last season, the 2020 truncated season, counted. Uh, you know, for guys who would have qualified for an option, and you know, just determining that contract status, they they have to make a ruling on that. So there is a scenario where Alzali either has that option and he can be sent down so he could start the season say in triple a or he could break camp and then get sent down whatever you know the the option would be there for the cubs literally or it isn't there right and you have to make that decision you know now as far as what you're going to do there so that's going to be interesting he's also a guy as we have talked about who's going to be on an innings limit a lot of these guys are, are not going to be able to bust out of the 60 game season and be able to throw you know 180 200 innings Alzalai definitely one of those guys just with how his progression was and you know the time he spent uh as a swingman as a starter etc he's just not going to be in a place to do that no matter what so something to keep an eye on because uh depending how that option situation works out and also just how the cubs want to manage those innings uh he may be someone that they envision you know building up and deploying more toward the middle or end of the season, you know, maybe kind of seeing how everything else goes in the rotation, maybe starting him as someone, uh, you know, in a role that we've seen him in before where he's piggybacking with guys or coming in for two, three, four innings at a time, and then maybe working up to getting full starts. It's all pretty fluid. Uh, and it's going to be pretty fluid throughout the 2021 season. Tommy Hadovy and a lot of these other guys have reiterated that, Many more times I've reiterated it like a hundred times, and they've said it even more than me. So it's very clear uh, that you know they're it's going to be an all hands on deck thing. So I don't have the answer for you right now, uh, but again, something to keep an eye on that you know his situation is at least a little fluid. It is not like a sure thing that he's going to be in the rotation on opening day and and things like that. They're they're going to have to decide what to do there, uh, but it does seem to be um something that that Adbearer is able to handle and at least understands. You know, he said uh to NBC Sports, I quote, I don't like putting those things on my mind. If I put that pressure on my mind that, oh my gosh, I'm going to sent down or this or that, that's just going to distract me from my main focus, which is just to make the team and be in the big leagues. So as we've noted, you've seen him in the dugout with his pen and paper, writing things down. You've seen him throughout this spring training, palling around with Jake Arrieta, seemingly willing to spend any amount of time learning from him, paying attention to him, and continuing to grow as a pitcher. And, you know, you just hear quotes like this, this guy has a really good head on his shoulders. He seems like a very smart and driven guy. And while this is a tricky situation and I think for a lot of guys you know you do start to get frustrated when you're kind of constantly on that shuttle up shuttle down in the rotation not in the rotation in the bullpen swing man spots it it, it gets frustrating I imagine it's very frustrating for someone like Adair and for many of the other guys that we've seen go through this process but I I I maintain as we've talked about a lot this off season like he's he's got this he's going to come through however this goes and whatever this process is he he will he will get there eventually it's just something that is fluid especially because of this uh stupid option situation so just something to keep an eye on uh before we move into talking about the bullpen and the bullpen as as it has been for the past few years now uh an interesting Spot for this this Cubs team, right? Uh, Rowan Wick making progress. Wanted to update you guys on that. He's throwing uh, as of March 14th, so yesterday, throwing uh, up to 105 feet in his throwing program. David Ross uh, and the trainers, you know, he he had some pain in his rib area. They've identified that. They're working on that, and it sounds like all the the progress is being made. I. I believe it is a foregone conclusion that he is not going to be on the opening day roster. But for someone like Wick, you know, I I think back to how we were in summer camp and looking at uh, the urgency of everything. And you guys remember, if you were listening to this podcast, and we're going to talk about him in a second, uh, you know, me freaking out about Craig Kimbrell like two days into the season. And I just kept saying, there's not enough time for this. There's not enough time for this, right? kind of have to recalibrate, right? Like we're back in a a normal season. It's very long. 162 games is a very long season. And for someone like Wick, who figures to be uh, one of, if not perhaps the most important person in your bullpen, it's all about just getting him to where he needs to be uh, as soon as you can get him there, not necessarily... Uh, right away, no matter what. So it's about the long haul for someone like Wick. So if he's not there on opening day, that's okay. Uh, It's all about his progress being ramped up and him being on that right track with the, the you know, the pitching staff, the trainers, David Ross, etc. And it sounds like that is the case. But, you know, of course, he's in the throwing program right now. So, you know, still need to see him in the bullpens, still need to get him out there in probably some sim games. And then, of course, you know, really facing some live hitting and, you know, making sure that mechanically he's tight and physically and everything is there. So, it's a process, but at least it is progressing the right way. So, uh, we saw some other guys getting back in there, Pedro Stroop, uh getting back out there, uh, Ryan Tepera, MVP vote-getter Ryan Tepera, uh, mm-hmm. back out there, you know, and, and we'll see what happens with him, someone who had some really good stuff for the Cubs in 2020, uh, struggled with command down the stretch, but the stuff is there, uh, and as I said, he did accidentally get an MVP vote, but... That Hey, it you know, that that's there forever. So he is an MVP vote-getter. Um, but I, I did just want to touch on Kimbrel a little bit um, because his outing the other day was really not good. If you watched it, just no feel for the ball. The command wasn't there. And if you have watched him uh, either in 2019 or 2020 when he has struggled, you've seen this movie before, right? And I think it was just last week that I said... I don't care so much about it because he's clearly someone that takes time to ramp up. He's got to get the velo up there, and it took him a minute last year, even though we didn't have a lot of time, but he got there and was really good at the, uh, you know, the latter portion of the 2020 season. So that's still where I am, Um, but it... I, I think the outing the other day, at least for me, Brendan, was just sort of a reminder that this is something to monitor, right? He, he It took him a minute last year, and you would hope that that is the same sort of trajectory that we're on, right? That he, he's just not going to be lights out um, a couple weeks into spring training. He may not even be lights out in April, right? But he 'll get there, and I hope that that 's the case, but it you know was just sort of a sobering reminder of like okay we we can 't just assume that the latter portion twenty twenty version of him is going to be there he He takes a little bit of time to defrost it seems, so hopefully that is the case, uh, but I did just want to point that out because coming off the heels of me saying I'm not really worried about this as long as the velos ticking up and he's you know getting the time out there it'll it'll come I I believe um it was just a bad outing it was a really bad outing it was very frustrating to watch just no feel for where the pitches were going everything out of the zone the the hitters very patient and very willing to just stand there and you know watch him try to figure it out so it was frustrating um and I just wanted to bring that up because I I don't Uh, in in being optimistic uh, about him just sort of needing the time to get there I didn't want to I don't want to make that seem like I'm positive about that or that there's no possible way that that doesn't happen it's it's something to monitor uh, unfortunately as it has been you know for the duration of his time here.
0: But it feels for me that the stakes are a little bit lower for Craig in this team and last year even going into the COVID season it seemed like if Craig is not going to be that guy, that bullpen seemed dead. And by the end of the year in 2020, it was the opposite. The bullpen was actually a strength. And that's not because of Craig. Even though he did turn it around, they had other guys step up like Ryan DiPera and Jason Adam. And those two guys are back with supplemental guys, including Andrew Chafin. And we have uh, you know, Brad Wick coming back and we have Kyle Ryan who's hopefully going to be healthy and you have you have more guys to draw from in case Kimberly is not that guy. And Workman's looked pretty good in this in this shorter spring so far. That 12-6 curveball looks very good. That curveball is one of the better curveballs in major league baseball according to active spin rate. It's in the top 90th percentile. And when you consider what Jason Adam did last year, and we talked about Adam a little bit. Yeah. I don't really remember how much we went into it. But he's one of those guys that is your trademark Statcast pitch lab guys. He has a shorter release point, but he has wicked spin on his pitches. And another point of emphasis that and I brought him up earlier, Brian Smith at Bleacher Nation pointed out, is that change up separation from his fastball could really help Adam be one of the better pitchers in the bullpen. And we saw in his last outing that changeup was disgusting. I forgot who put it out there. It might have been Pitching Ninja or maybe Marquee. But, I mean, the pitch is dropping off the table. And when you have that high fastball with that changeup and with that cutter, you can kind of just let your mind wander. And I would not be surprised by, you know, the middle of the year, if we don't have stability at the back end of the bullpen, that Jason Adam. Gets chances to close games, and Ryan Tapera. I mean, Ryan Tapera had the third best whiff rate in Major League Baseball last year. Third best, Ryan Tapera. So maybe that MVP vote was not was not an accident after all. And so this this is a deeper bullpen. And going down the list a little bit more, and we're not going to play this game again and go into it. But you are seeing changes that Dylan Maples is making. His his entire tire mechanics are different. He has a shorter release point. His pace to home plate is much different. And I'm I'm excited about Dylan Maples, even though I'm not relying on him per se. But I mean, someone with his stuff, with that slider, with that fastball, you can't help but just always be drawn into that. And now, Keegan Thompson. Keegan Thompson was throwing 97 miles per hour. Apparently, he was sitting like in the low 90s in the last few years. He's, his velocity has jumped like crazy. And so it's another person to follow. And this is, this is, just summarizing everything and going back to what we've been talking about for years man like 5 years saying we just want pitchers to develop and we're finally getting hints that we're getting closer to that goal and a lot of credit is every podcast we say it but it has to be said every every time you see one of these changes end up being a success Tommy Havivi Craig Breslow I feel like Jason
1: <laughs> like sponsor the show or something like that
0: the cubs related podcast presented by tommy hoddy in the pitch lab think about it cory like if i were to tell you two years ago that hey we have ryan tapera jason adam rowan wick when healthy kyle ryan brad wick and they're possibly staples in the bullpen you you would have been like who like, who, who are you talking about? These were relatively unknown guys, not even less than two years ago. And look how how significant they are for a potential division winner this year. It is a very big deal. And it's all to say that, you know, if Craig Kimbrough doesn't ultimately live up to that closer status, I feel, compared to last year at this time, it's less significant. It's, it's, it is a big deal, don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's more of a cushion in place if it doesn't, you know, work out for Craig.
1: Yeah, so Maples is one of those guys where really any time we bring it up, I I feel like we're at risk of uh, you know, sounding like clowns for. He's just like one of those guys who like, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in, right? <laughs> yeah. And by that I mean, this has happened like 50 times with him uh, over the duration of you know his Cubs career. Because, as you've heard us and and many other people hammer home, the the stuff is just so clearly there, and it's nasty. It's it's so utterly nasty, but. Every time, it's just a complete mess, right? Every time they try it, he'll have maybe an on outing and then an outing where, I mean, you want to talk about a lack of command, right? You've almost never seen a lack of command like Dylan Maples is is capable of putting together. Uh, But thus far in the spring, he has not walked anybody, and he's made the changes. As Brendan noted, you can go over to CubsInsider.com. or I think uh, Evan Altman tweeted out um, some side-by-sides that I put together of a video of Dylan from this spring and last spring. Some pretty clear differences. The, his delivery is entirely different. Um, timing, you know, his uh, extension, release point, it's all very different. So if you go and look at that, you can kind of see the changes that he's made. And, um, but he's also, as we kind of have been, you know, has been at least partially a theme of today, he is out of options. So the Cubs got to make a decision here, uh, you know, whether they're going to let him have that opportunity or not, you know. And then, of course, the 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 fear, like with many, is he goes somewhere else. They figure out how to get him to throw strikes. And, you know, then you're watching somebody else with a lights-out reliever, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not you. Uh, so... They're clearly monitoring this. David Ross had this to say on Maples. He said, quote, some of the issues in the past are long gone. He's throwing a lot of strikes. The main thing with Dylan, staying consistent is going to be key for him to help us. I've definitely seen the version of him growing every single season to get better and be able to help us. He's in the mix to be on the team. So again, one of those like probably you know, last week, last few days, whenever they're gonna to put together those final roster decisions for the bullpen and the bench, I would think that he would be in there, but if he continues to show the ability to uh be a useful option in that pen, I I I would assume he gets a shot just because this is one of those things you can tell that everybody involved dreams on this and they just want it to work uh so badly and it's, you know, again, like when a guy makes such significant changes, and you know, you sort of start to see the results trending in the right direction, it's it's very easy to buy into. Um, so something to keep an eye on. I, again, I like with the caveat that like, I, you can probably go back to so many podcasts <laughs> of ours. Um, specifically, Evan from Cubs Insider has is one of the, the people who has been burned by Dylan a lot. He's written about him a lot. He's interviewed him in person before. And always is ready to buy in and then you know, kind of has to be one of the first to be like, okay, um, never mind, sorry <laughs> right uh, so i I hope that that you know, it isn't the thing. there there's been several things throughout the years that we've talked about that you know, we kind of go back and forth on okay, Maybe it's different this time. I'm buying in again. I'm never going to buy in again. Okay, wait. I'm buying in again, right? And this is one of those on those pile. But it's it's kind of easy to see. I mean, if you watch him pitch, you know, especially his his breaking stuff, it's it's very easy to see. Like, okay, yeah, I get why we're obsessed with this and why we're not able to just let this go. Sometimes those things, it's a little less easy to understand why you know, you keep kind of trying and and going back to the well, but Dylan Maples isn't one of those things. It's very easy to see why it's uh, something they stick with. And, you know, at least it's also one of those things where it's also easy to identify if it's not working. So if you do decide to break camp with him on the team and give him that shot, you know, you know what you're looking for. To, to see, okay, yes, this is progressing in the right direction, or no, this is the same thing as it has been, and he's, you know, completely incapable of having any command. So, it's, it's at least one of those things that's uh, easier than others, I guess, to identify and say, yes, let's stick with this, or no, this is uh, unfortunately not going to work again. But, that's kind of where we are, and and just to to add to what you were saying, um, I think it was uh Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation who was I think trying to remind everyone the other day of just how good Jason Adam was for the Cubs in in 2020, and and just how good his stuff is, and I remember last year you were saying, "Bren, you didn't remember how much we touched on this. I I don't remember how much we obsessed about him, but I know when he was first getting those opportunities, um, you know, whether it was summer camp or kind of in the early portion of 2020, I, I do remember you and I being like, okay, this guy's interesting because he's coming in and he's throwing harder than most of these guys. The stuff is there. Like, this is an interesting guy. So, um, I don't know, you know, I don't I don't think we were the earliest adopters of that, but I, I do think we were intrigued pretty early on. So he's another one where, you know, again, like you have to give the, the Cubs and their pitching infrastructure and, you know, their, their talent evaluation and, and scouting, some credit for some of these guys that they've been able to bring in from other organizations and, you know, find ways to, you, you know, turn them into usable figures in, in their bullpen and in their pitching staff. Because, you know, you look at the the Cubs bullpen right now and you, you've got one guy basically uh, that is making those big bucks and that you went out and spent a lot of money on. And we've seen teams over the years... Really sell out for the bullpen. I mean, you remember a few years ago the Rockies spent a boatload of money on, I think, three relievers, one of which was Wade Davis, and it didn't work for them. We've seen the Yankees at times with the Yankees, it did work, uh, but you know they went out and they put together super bullpens a- at times where they were just like, we are going to go out and get you know three or four of the top relievers along with a world as Chapman, and we're just going to blow people away if we need to in the later innings. Um, and the Cubs have, you know, again, it, it's been an up and down throughout the years in terms of their success. But they they have had a lot of success, especially last year, with cobbling this thing together and you know finding these guys who are either trying to reclaim their career, transition to a new role, uh, or just sort of recapture that that past success uh you know with diminished velocity or diminished stuff or you know changing up their repertoire so i i know that we you know kind of hark on the the pitching infrastructure stuff and some of these things a lot but you know it's it's integral to the cubs success because as i said they they do not have um you know a big stable of star relievers that they have, you know, cobbled together and that are, you know, on big contracts because they're super reliable to perform and stuff like that. So, the Cubs' ability to identify these guys and work with them and churn out the, you know, higher percentile outcomes for some of these guys is really really crucial to this team's success, and I think in 2021, it's going to be more crucial than ever because, you know, we've seen, obviously, you don't have that same level of top-end depth and the starting rotation that you had before and the amount of pitchers and innings you're gonna have to find some of these guys to eat. So I I, I sort of bring that up again, you know, kind of just going full circle with Maples. It's like I, I understand if some of you are like, Oh my god, are these guys talking about Dylan Maples again? Like you guys are crazy. Yeah, are. The Cubs are, well, crazy, are crazy, right? And I and I and I wouldn't blame you for thinking that, but this is how the Cubs have set up the 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 pitching structure and especially in the bullpen like they need some of these guys to work they need some of these you know maybe higher risk volatile guys to snap into gear and and to have these changes really come to fruition and and be successful for this team to be as successful as we all want it to be and you know Craig is is also part of that group even though he's not uh, a, a reclamation project obviously right um but it's 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 just how the cubs are built it's how their bullpen is built how their pitching staff is built and so that's why we kind of keep coming back to these things and and why uh you know you'll have Brendan updating you on you know what new pitch grip a, a guy is using because this is it's it's you know maybe stating the obvious um, but it's it's crucial to this team's success because as we kind of always note like Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies and you know you know Jake is going to get his opportunities but you don't really know what to expect there like you've got probably two guys that you know you can go into this season and say I don't care what they do in the spring they're going to get as many starts as they can you know in this in this sort of uh, context of twenty twenty one coming off of twenty twenty and they're gonna be good to what degree. We'll see how the season plays out. You know, that that changes from year to year, but they're gonna be good, they're gonna be consistent, not really thinking about it. A lot of other guys that, you know, you just can't say that about, and so it's it's totally going to be about the margins for this this pitching staff and for this Cubs team is getting as many of these guys to get towards that ceiling, hit their ceiling, make those adjustments and come out of it successful, uh, like we've seen them do with a lot of these guys. And you know, it's another year of having to look at that. So uh, that's, that's why we're going to keep checking in on it. But I think that's, you know, pretty much uh, the gist of things. So again, uh, you know, kind of the same things we have been looking at the this entire spring really um you know still waiting to see what happens at second base seeing how David Ross and the front office are going to decide to name that bench and how they're going to put that bench together how many guys they're going to put on that bench and you know what that's going to look like and then who's on this pitching staff there's a lot of options some of them have been trimmed already uh you know with the the roster cuts in spring training um but you know still plenty of options out there and will be interesting to see uh what we are rolling with here once the season gets underway but uh any any final thoughts on anything going on here brendan
0: and this is all just watching the games the stats are not going to back anything up but il vargas i like that guy a lot the power he's showing and the power he showed last year in his few at bats it's eye-popping power and some of the numbers you saw in AAA, with the Diamondbacks, we were like insane. I, I did not even realize he struck out at a 4% rate in 130 plate appearances two years ago in AAA. I mean, like what? That, that I've never seen that before. So second base, I don't want to see Eric Sogard. I, I like Vargas's power. I hope Nico comes back a little bit sooner. But Vargas, I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Stats aren't the greatest at the big league level, but he looks he looks fun to watch.
1: Yeah, he's got some pop. I mean, he really got into one the other day. Uh, You know, of course, we all saw the homer he hit after Jason Hayward against Josh Hader in the 2020 season. And, Mm. you know, that just kind of goes to what I was saying the other day. I think I'd just rather try some of these uh, guys who have uh, maybe a little more in them. You can sort of dream on it a little more. They're obviously younger than Eric Sogard. And, you know, maybe you run into uh, Ildemaro or, you know, even someone like David Bode, you know, really taking a a step to that next level and putting it all together or something like that. It's just easier to dream on that than someone with Sogard. From the Cubs perspective, they're obviously going to look at track record and, you know, maybe some uh, stability, I guess, with Sogard. So I don't know what they're going to do, but hopefully Nico comes back and he just wins the job and they can figure out the bench from there. But that is what we have for you guys for today. We're going to Keep on it, just checking in on what the Cubs are doing every day. And as we uh, get ready to turn the calendar to April and start the regular season and start that 162 game journey and, uh, you know, ultimately see how the Cubs decide to put their roster together and hopefully in, you know, not too long, we're at least able to come on here and and report to you that someone has been extended uh, to remain a member of the Chicago Cubs uh, beyond the 2021 season of that Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez group. I think that would uh, make a lot of us feel better. I think more than one of those guys getting that would make us feel even better. But uh, you know, baby steps. We'll start with one for now and 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 go from there. So, as always, we appreciate you guys listening to the Cubs related podcast. You can follow Brendan on Twitter. He's at Cubs related. I am at CF Cubs related. Instagram is Cubs related, and that is about all I have to promote. As always, we appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this podcast. If you have not, I I know many of you have, and we really appreciate it. Um, But if you have not, and can leave us a five star review on the Apple Podcasts app, uh, you know, with a little comment or whatever, that is very appreciated. In all this time, we have yet to figure out exactly how that matters, why that matters, but it helps us get seen by some more folks uh, to join our, our list of lovely listeners. So we appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk
0: to you soon. As always, go Cubs!